Good afternoon. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. How you doing, Brett? All right. MTS Center, going to be renamed Bell MTS Place, mm-hmm. or I guess for select customers, Telus Place. Are they putting that in the sign? I think so, yeah. I think it's actually part of the uh, the official uh, renaming, nice. yes. Nice. yes. I like the way you played that. Well done. So, you got some raspberries here. We're ready to go. We're going. Uh, we're, I'm, a, I'm already excited. I love doing the show, but I'm excited. Yeah, what's for going on o'clock. after work? We're going over to the Flatlanders Beer Festival kickoff, man. It's going to be at the LC just over Madison Square. So we're yeah. going to go sample some local beer and light bites. Oh, there's food truck food there. I didn't know that. It just got better. Yes. Man, <laughs> it's going to be a good day, Greg. I like the way you're thinking, Brett. Uh, of course, the big news in this time slot 24 hours ago was the DUI of Tiger Woods. And Brett, correct me if I'm wrong, were we not very specific about the fact that the I may or may not have anything to do with alcohol? That the I may not? An influence? Oh, yes. Uh, well, yeah, I think we said DUI. I don't remember saying that he was nailed for drunk driving. I don't know the words that we used, but regardless of whether or not he is drunk or high or impaired by some other, he's still driving while he's impaired. Correct. It'd be no different than if I, I made the reference to Benadryl earlier. Benadryl is an antihistamine. It's a powerful antihistamine that makes you, that can make you drowsy. Doesn't always make me drowsy, but sometimes I feel like I am drunk. You are cognizant to that fact. So, yeah, I don't like to take those antihistamines if I know I'm going to be driving soon because it will impair my ability to drive. And if I were pulled over and got a DUI because I was hopped up in antihistamines, well, that's, I'm still driving while impaired. Well, how about if you're fast asleep behind the wheel on a freeway or on a road, a side road, otherwise? Um, is that cause for concern in any way, shape, or form? <laughs> I, I, I think suspect so. maybe it is. I would think so. We got a text here. Yes, Tiger was not drunk, but yet, Mackling, you wanted to make him a poster boy for drunk driving. So you dumbasses should get your crap straight before you spout off. Brutal job again. Well... We did not say he was drunk, and if that's not the poster child for impaired driving, fast asleep at the wheel of your car, well, then call me a dumbass once again. I would suggest it is exactly that, and Tiger Woods should not have been behind the wheel of his vehicle. Said so as much in his apology yesterday, suggesting that he didn't realize how his painkillers would mix with one another. Well... You're just talking about Benadryl and allergy medicine. You're pretty cognizant and know you have to be aware of the effect that it might have on you. If you've been on painkillers for as long as Tiger Woods has, you can't tell me you don't have some idea what these painkillers are doing to your body. So uh, thank you, Texter, but uh, I think you're way off base. We did not suggest that Tiger Woods was drunk. In fact, we were very careful to make sure that we did not suggest he was drunk because we did not have that information. That information is coming today, and in fact, it turns out, and a lot of media were reporting that he refused to take a breathalyzer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we did that yesterday. I believe we did not. I don't remember that detail from yesterday from when we were talking about it. No, because it, so. when I brought it up to you about an hour and a half ago when this information came out, that was news to you. He, in fact, blew twice 
and uh, both times straight zeros. Yeah, now he says that he had an unexpected reaction to prescription medicine. He says, I want the public to know that alcohol was not involved. What happened was an unexpected reaction to prescribed medications. I didn't realize the mix of medications had affected me so strongly. Now, there, there, so there are reports that he had, there were four drugs involved. And we'll just read the names of the drugs first. So something called Solace... Salas, I can't even say it now. Saloxex, I think, is how you would pronounce that. Except uh, when we Google that. Hang on, Greg. Let me finish, please. <laughs> sure. Saloxex, uh, Vicodin, Torix, and Vioxx. Now, Vicodin is a painkiller. Torix and Vioxx are anti-inflammatories. And Saloxex, or Saloxer, depending on the report, you can't find anything right. on Google about it being related to a drug. So I think what likely happened is Tiger, because he was droopy and sleepy and and confused, I think he probably said to the officer, what kind of drugs are you taking? And he said, Vicodin, Torx, Viox, and Soxax. I can't, I'm I'm just speculating wildly irresponsibly there, but because there was one moment where he was asked to recite the alphabet, because even though he blew zeros on his breathalyzer, he did fail the roadside sobriety Sobriety test. test. He was asked to do the alphabet test and asked if he understood what they meant, he bizarrely mumbled, yes, recite entire national anthem backwards. <laughs> Whoops. So he probably made, he probably was, this Saloxx is probably just gibberish, which doesn't exist. Yeah, we uh, did several Google searches from several different computers, and it didn't matter what search engine we used, uh, it came up uh, buckus. So uh, Matt Carty joins us in studio. Now, Matt, wanted to drag you in here. I know you just got off the phone with uh, Winnipeg Police Service, and we, we wanted to reiterate the fact that in light of the new information that Tiger Woods uh, not only uh, passed a breathalyzer test. He, in fact, blew zeros twice when he was pulled over. Well, they didn't have to pull him over. That was a low-speed chase, if there ever was one, when they awoke him from being asleep behind his wheel. In a live lane, too. Not to mention the fact that he was in a live lane. That's beside the point. The idea of being driving while intoxicated, driving under the influence, whatever abbreviation, DUI, DWI, whichever one you'd like to use. Impaired driving. Impaired driving doesn't necessarily mean alcohol. We were pretty clear about that yesterday, and now it turns out it may in fact have been a bad mixture of painkillers, but that's not the only thing that can constitute impaired driving. Well, impaired driving in Canada covers drugs, whether they're illegal narcotics such as cocaine, pot, uh, or heroin, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it can cover those prescription medications, the painkillers as well, along with alcohol. That's what we just found out from Winnipeg Police. We'll play the interview later this afternoon on the news. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't have to be those illicit drugs. I mean, we talk about legalization coming into Canada soon enough, and they're working on ways to get those impaired drivers off the road, uh, the ones who are uh, high on pot and impaired that way. So yeah, the message here is it's not just alcohol. And it's not just illegal drugs, but it's any sort of thing you put in your body that makes you impaired, whether those are the prescription drugs that Tiger may have mixed over the counter or, or, or the ones that he got from his doctor that created that, uh, that, that impairment, or it could be a mix of both. You know, you, you see these labels on uh, the prescription medication says, do not take with alcohol. And that is because the littlest bit of alcohol 
can really enhance the effects of those drugs. Changes their chemical makeup in some situations. Exactly. We also asked Winnipeg police about exhaustion. We hear about uh, truck drivers, people going on road trips and driving for 12 hours straight. Now, that's not an impaired driving charge, but you could still be charged. Depending on what you're doing in uh, while behind the wheel, you could still be charged with something. Dangerous driving, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember driving back from Buffalo Point last year after the... The boys golf weekend and I should have pulled over and I would think I was looking for a spot to pull over because I was having a really hard time keeping my eyes open. And when you're driving 100 kilometers an hour, that's so dumb. Just pull over and take a nap. It sounds like Tiger probably should have pulled over and taken a nap, but he didn't quite make it to the pullover. Just jumped to the nap (laughs) portion of that. Well, this is going to highlight uh, for a lot of people the idea and the awareness that you need to have uh, about what you're putting in your yeah, body, prescription that, or otherwise. You know, obviously it, it sucks for Tiger, you know, the, the the drop in popularity that he's gone from. He's gone from the being the world number one golfer to now, you know, essentially hitting rock bottom. But hopefully that he can take and everybody can take away a message from this is what impairs you, whether it's the prescription drugs that you take on a normal base for, for pain or whatever the case may be, or if it's, you know, even exhaustion, as we mentioned, if you're too tired to drive, like Brett said, pull over to the side of the road. I think we've all been in that situation where you've, you know, you've had to roll down the window or something just so the air can smack you in the face while you're driving. Pull over, take a 10 minute nap and, you know, you'll be, you should be, most people should be good to go or however long the nap needs to be taken. Matt, we appreciate uh, your insight. We look forward to your conversation with Winnipeg Police later on this afternoon. Matt Cardi filling in for Richard Cluche this afternoon on the news with Julie Buckingham. And I'll reiterate what I said yesterday, whether I was making Tiger Woods a poster boy for impaired driving or otherwise, uh, this guy's got enough money, all the money in the world. He doesn't need to take risks. He doesn't need to take chances like that. Get somebody to drive you, man. And it's a it's a good point that Matt makes. Just know what impairs you. I think of the quote from Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol when he's talking to Jacob Marley, and he says, "You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of underdone potato." Maybe so, sometimes things affect us in weird ways. So maybe that's the question. I, as I'm thinking about this right now. At 204-780-6868, have you ever been driving and been impaired, whether it was from something you'd taken or maybe, and I'll just, I know technically by the letter of the law, being sleepy at the wheel wouldn't be impaired, but have you ever found yourself driving in a situation where... Where you shouldn't be. Yeah, where you maybe were surprised at how you were affected and how did you handle it? What did you do? Did you have a near miss That'd be interesting if you had a near-miss kind of story that you were able to walk away from. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. I know that I will. I have found myself asleep at the wheel on more than one occasion at a red light and then eventually a green light to the sound of a honking horn behind me. Without question. I, uh, it happens to me more often than I, I like to admit. Great text here, the trouble with driving truck. There are almost no rest stops in Canada. If you compare... Trans-Canada Highway to any of the interstates south of the line, night and day. That's a very good point. There are rest stops. How how far can you go in the States without seeing a rest stop, do you think? 
60 miles probably at the most. Yeah. Maybe there are stretches where it's a little longer than that. But yeah, if if you get it in your head that you need a rest, it's not long before there's a rest area, whether you need it, a rest for your eyes or a rest for your bladder. Uh, they are available uh, quite readily. I think it's something that uh, should be improved in our uh, part of the world without question. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It is the number to text. We would love to hear your stories on where you were driving and maybe you realized, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't be driving right now because I just took some Benadryl or I didn't get enough sleep or, wow, how did I, how did I end up here? Ever drive and you don't remember the ride? I guess that's a different thing. That's what do they call that, the driving trance? Where you get to work, for example, and you don't oh, remember, you don't remember. Yeah, I don't know what the kind of the pseudo-psychological or, or uh, medical quote-unquote term is. Michael says, does Tiger hire an Uber driver? Don't think he wants his mansion identified by some driver. Hey, uh, Tiger Woods can have a driver on call 24-7 that lives in his gatehouse. You know, uh, that, that shouldn't be an issue for cool. a guy like that. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. Number to text. You can email gmac at cjob.com brett at cjob.com your forecast is up next brett mcgarry with greg mackling on 680 cjob we're talking about the tiger woods situation yesterday was pulled over dui wasn't certain it was not clear whether or not he had been pulled over for alcohol or if it was influence of drugs and it turns out he blew zeros in the breathalyzer it was not alcohol it was prescription drugs uh, looks like he was taking a cocktail of anti-inflammatories and painkillers and says, I realize the gravity of the situation and the responsibility that I need to take. Clay, is that 204-780-6868? Hey, Clay, what do you have to say about uh, this particular situation? Hey, guys. Well, you know what? I've had this situation, and it's funny, Brett. I was coming back from Buffalo Point from a golf tournament. Uh, that I was working, I wasn't playing, uh, and, I, and I started to nod off. And you know what? I found the first service station that was open and bought myself a Rockstar energy drink, and bang, just just wide awake. So the, the energy drink gave you the... So instead of taking a nap, you took an energy drink and got a little caffeine high. Correct. And you know what? And I've never drank an energy drink before and didn't realize how... Powerful and amazing they were. <laughs> have you have you drank one before, Clay, or since no. I should say? Oh, since yeah, no, actually, yeah, I, I had. I was on my I was on my way to Brandon for uh, for business, and I was uh, I was quite tired on my way there. And but you know, I rolled down the window and did that whole thing, so I got there okay. But I knew I was going to be exhausted on my way back, and sure enough, went to the superstore, bought a rock star, and made it back to Winnipeg, no problem. Thanks, Clay. Appreciate it. And uh, stay safe out there. We appreciate it very much. Uh, here's a text at 204-780-6868. Left Calgary around 8 p.m. to make the overnight drive to Calgary. Boy, do I know that one. Stayed hopped up on energy drinks while the wife and kids slept. Nodded off and hit the shoulder just west of Brandon. So we pulled over at a service station, crashed for a couple hours until they opened and I could get a coffee. Almost made it. Almost didn't. Lesson learned. Yeah, it's uh, it does. If you're getting sleepy at the wheel, man, it's scary. And you think that you can convince yourself. I have whenever I find my myself falling asleep, I might like try to sing to whatever's on the radio, or I'll start like uh, you know, 
slapping my knee along to the music, anything to try to keep me awake. And then I eventually find myself kind of nodding off again. Sometimes you just got to pull over for five minutes even. Have I mentioned my I-29 story on this air? I don't know. I was in Las Vegas for a few days mm-hmm. celebrating uh, the pending marriage of one of my buddies. Okay. Did the flight to and from Vegas out of Minneapolis. So drove, drove down to Minneapolis and uh, came home on the red eye, got back to Minneapolis about 5.30 in the morning, and I was trying to get to Minidosa for a golf tournament. So I was hustling, trying to get uh, back into Canada, into Manitoba, and about, uh, oh, it must have been about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the golf tournament was the next day. I found myself in a ditch going 65 miles an hour. Whoa. Because I had fallen asleep with my cruise control on and the car gently, my truck F-150 gently went off the shoulder into a ditch. I was going full speed through a ditch, was so lucky there was not one of those giant green destination signs, an overpass, train track, you name it. I woke up, fortunately I didn't panic, tapped the brake and uh, gently went back up onto the shoulder, collected myself. I was out, man. Wow. Yeah. So it does happen. And people do live to tell about it. Uh, I got very, very lucky. Cam, I know, spends a lot of time on the road. And uh, Cam, what's your story? Well, when I came back from Manitoba, like I wasn't on prescription pills or anything like that. But when I uh, left uh, Prince George, British Columbia, I made the trip uh, all the way to the middle of Saskatchewan in about seven hours. Uh, Actually, sorry, more like uh, 10 hours, should I say. Uh, just on energy drinks. Energy drinks. Which one? Yep. Okay. Which kind? Oh, uh, good old Rockstar Super Sours. Okay. <laughs> Those things will keep you awake. There's 16 grams of sugar per can. <laughs> okay. No sugar crash after. I All imagine. right, Cam. Thank you. Do you remember Jolt Cola? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I think the only time I drank a jolt was driving to a Minnesota Vikings game and stopped in Thief River Falls or something. Mm-hmm. It was my turn to drive, and we'd been working, and uh, I needed a jolt, literally. Yeah. Eh, it didn't work that well. Oh. Did you get a very brief high and then a crash after that? All right. Coming up to 130 on 680-CJOB. We've said it many times on this air that so much of what we do on 680-CJOB is not only for you, but because of you. We get traffic tips like the one we just got from Michaela. Not sure what's going on. Westbound Portage at Toronto, but police are in the curb lane and traffic is backed up to Memorial. So if you are westbound Portage Avenue on your way towards Polo Park, perhaps, Westbound, Portage, Toronto Street, police are in the curb lane, traffic backed up to Memorial. You may want to take an alternate route. We also get all sorts of uh, feedback, of course, on our programs, and we also get ideas for shows and story ideas because things are happening happening to you that you feel are unjust or you simply are coming forward because, well, it's already happened to you and you wouldn't want it to happen to anyone else. We've got a dramatic story like that coming up at two o'clock, but we have one that's not as dramatic, but certainly no less important for retailers and consumers in our province. Laurent Raymond joins us now from Pine Falls, Manitoba. He's a retailer there. And Laurent, thanks for taking some time with us. I know you visited with our colleague Lorraine Nickel, Global News. We'll see your beautiful face on Global TV at six o'clock tonight. But (laughs) you gave us a call yesterday because 
you had an experience with uh, the provincial sales tax auditor in the last few weeks. Yeah, we did. Uh, we actually found out last week that, uh, or two weeks ago, we were going to get audited. And my initial concern was really, I wasn't concerned uh, at all because they have a fantastic accountant and uh, we try and follow all the rules because, uh, well, when it comes to government, you really don't want to mess with them uh, or, or you'll get pinched. So you got yeah, notification so, that this uh, audit was coming, and, and how did yeah. it go? Yeah, so basically uh, last week or the week before, uh, last week, I guess, they came through and did a walkthrough of the store, which is a common practice for them. And so I got him in there and showed him around a little bit, and then uh, he started talking about water, and uh, I'm looking at him and I'm asking him, and I'm thinking, okay, there's... Uh, Tax on water, and he goes, "Yeah." I went, "Ooh, uh, that's when I knew I was in trouble." Yep. So, was there a, a point in time where you, you asked some more questions? Uh, any size yeah, of water well, in particular? How did that part of the conversation go? Any sort well, of descriptors? Much the next words that came out of his mouth were basically, "There's a big, there's a large percentage of the province and small format or uh, you know convenience style retailers." who uh, are all making the same mistake. Uh, they're not taxing water under 600 ml. Yeah, so he knew what he was looking for, and uh, he's doing his job. I get that. Uh, at the end of the day, I knew the onus was on us to make sure that we are following the rules, and uh, I get that. So initially I was mad, and then I kind of thought about it, and I thought, geez, there's tax on water? Like... Uh, I, I, I was just taken back. So Laurent, uh, what was your bill then from the government? Uh, well, they go back six years. So if you calculate 36 bottles of water a day over six years, and then they add, they incur the, uh, penalties, uh, and the interest on that, it's pretty substantial, it's more than $20,000, so. That's a big chunk yeah. of change, Laurent. So yeah, it's not chump change, that's for sure. So, have you had any conversations with your customers? Have you had any conversations with other retailers about this idea that uh, you know the only thing that differentiates this water from water that comes out of the tap, for the most part, is the fact that it's in a plastic bottle, and we pay a two cent, you know, ecological fee or eco fee on the uh, privilege of drinking the water out of a bottle. Are your customers shocked to learn that, that this is the way it's supposed yeah, to be well, done? Yeah, you know, I've spoken to a few of them. I mean, we just kind of went through this in the last little while. So, you know, I, I, I spoke to the staff about it, and uh, I made the adjustments, like, right away, almost instantly. It didn't take me long, 10, 15 minutes, and, and uh, the correction was complete. But uh, the damage was done by then. I kind of wanted to come on the air for two reasons. One of the reasons I wanted to come on the air is I want to let all the other retailers in Manitoba know that uh, to basically inquire about this, phone whoever you have to phone to make sure that you are taxing uh, anything under 600 ml, excluding milk, uh, with sales tax. That's what. That's one of the things that I think really uh, grabs my attention and will probably grab the attention of others. I mean, and I think it's great that milk is exempt, but milk is exempt, but water 
which I, I, I think is probably the most fundamental thing we need to survive mm-hmm. is taxable. Right. So what well, was like your reaction? Green earlier, I says, I don't know, I'm not a nutritionist, but the last time I checked, water was pretty essential. <laughs> <laughs> Necessity of mm-hmm. life, I think uh, is fair to call it. Uh, you know, so we did some of our own research, and we'll talk about that uh, once we let you go here, Laurent, uh, about what mm-hmm. some other retailers are doing. But I just wanted to revisit and double back on your uh, the way you relayed the conversation with the auditor. Was it suggested that you weren't alone in this? Oh, absolutely. That was right off the bat. He says, this is a common problem. Well, if it's so common, like, you know, why wouldn't... Uh, and, and and then that's what sparked us. I thought, if it's so common, how come I didn't know about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, my fault, yes. But um, I want to tell everybody, yeah, including the consumers, they're going to get pinched on it also. I mean, now, you know, for us, we, like, you know, we automatically added the GST and PSC on it, and away we went. Laurent Raymond, he's a retailer up in Pine Falls. Uh, he's a news tipster now, and we appreciate very much uh, what you've done to bring this to light, uh, Laurent. Sorry that this mm-hmm. has cost you uh, so much money, but we uh, definitely uh, do want to thank you for bringing this to our attention, our listeners' attention, and certainly uh, to other retailers, because this could hurt uh, some other individuals as well. Brett? Laurent, before sure. we let you go, uh, what are your payment options? They've given you this bill for $20,000 uh, plus. I haven't got that far yet. Uh, I, Great question. As far as I know, when it comes to the government, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, until that money is paid, they will charge interest and the penalty to the day, as far as I know. I could be wrong on that. but So the sooner you pay for it, the less it is or... Hmm. Well, when you get the bill, how about you follow up with us and let us know? How's that sound? Sure, sounds good. All right. Laurent Raymond, thank you so much for joining us today from Pine Falls, a retailer in Pine Falls. Found out, provincial auditor comes in, says hello, asks a few questions, then says, you charging tax on water? No? Well, here's a, you're gonna, that's going to cost you over $20,000 for the last six years. Yeah, no uh, whammies. That is big bucks. <laughs> I don't care who you are. <laughs> no whammies. You know, to, to uh, tie it back to a conversation we were having on uh, Friday about uh, game shows. You know, being a small business owner is tough enough as it is. Uh, I don't know Raymond, uh, uh, Laurent Raymond, other than the conversations we've had on the telephone. And he sounds like an awful, uh, awfully forthright individual because uh, he knows he's opening himself up to potential criticism and, and maybe either, even some other audits by speaking up. So we want to thank him for doing that. We reached out to the provincial government and asked some very specific questions about this. We will share with you their answers and also the result of our uh, rather simplistic survey. And the results actually are quite shocking. You'll want to stick around for that. He's Brett. I'm Greg. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brett. He's Greg. We're talking about water. We have a phone number, a phone line in our newsroom. It's simply, we, we know it as the 220 line. That's basically where general inquiries go. And we get a lot of, we got a lot of weird calls on that line. I remember a guy calling some, a few years ago. He says, hey, um, I'm out with a buddy. I need a, you to settle a bet for us. <laughs> Who played third blue line for the 1972 Winnipeg Jets? And to which I had spent 10 minutes Googling it. You did it. I found the answer. You are so good. <laughs> so sometimes we just get sent on wild goose chases. Other times, though, 
we get genuine tips and stories like the one that Laurent from Pine Falls shared with us yesterday, Greg. So let me just uh, use the email that I sent to the provincial government to gain comment from them as uh, the basis for our next half hour or next uh, segment uh, for the rest of the half hour. 204-780-6868. By the way, we would like to know, are you surprised that bottled water is taxable? Are you bothered by it or is it no big deal? 204-780-6868. Received an interesting call from a listener who owns a convenience store. He tells us that he received a visit from a PST auditor. Not an unusual occurrence. After asking a couple of questions, the topic of bottled water was broached. According to the caller retailer, water sold in bottles of less than 600 milliliters are subject to PST. We did our own audit with what I would characterize as mixed results. We'll share that with you in just a moment or two. I think a majority of the public would be surprised to learn that water in any amount is taxable. White milk seems to be the only beverage exempt in any amount. Here's the background. First of all, we'd like to know and confirmation on whether PST is applicable on non-flavored bottled water, and if so, in what size containers. The answer to that is... Essentially any. It it counts as a beverage. Yeah. If it's under five if it's under six hundred milliliters, it's considered a single serving beverage, and the only beverage that is exempt is milk. Number two, has there been an issue with compliance confusion over whether water in any size container is subject to provincial sales tax? Uh, the general answer seems to be no. Uh, there is a way for retailers to find out that information. But the official response is no. Uh, As far as we know, there is not necessarily, and there is no reported compliance or confusion over whether water in any sized container is subject to provincial sales tax. Then I asked the question, is there a concerted effort to target retailers for this non-compliance? If you think back to our discussion just about six, seven minutes ago, with Laurent Raymond, he suggested that the auditor told him that this is commonplace. Here's the official response from the provincial government. Retailers are required to disclose the amount of tax that is charged to their clients on the sales invoice. You would need to check with Manitoba Sustainable Development Corporation and the federal government for information on the GST and the ECHO fee. There is no concerted effort to target retailers for non-compliance of taxation on single-serve bottles of water. Every year, audits are conducted on various businesses and various industries to ensure compliance. The audit of the convenience store would just be a routine audit of a business in that industry. Okay. And the uh, final question was what information retailer or what information is a retailer obliged to disclose on their sales receipt? Is it illegal for retailers to include PST, GST, or the two cent echo fee on their till receipts that are provided to customers? And uh, I didn't get a response on that. Okay. So our little audit, our little shopping trip yesterday revealed some interesting results, I would say, Brett. We went to... Well, we, first we went to get a Slurpee. I think that was probably <laughs> the most important part of our excursion. Well, I but, guess yesterday it was uh, secondary. Yes, but uh, uh, we also 
decided to go to a number of different retailers. And on Global News tonight, we we have the receipts in front of us here. On Global TV, I would imagine the businesses will be blurred out, but for the radio equivalent, we'll just say, we went to on Avenue. So This was a coffee shop mm-hmm. that we went to, and I ordered a bottle of water. Uh, I was charged $1.59, 7 cents of GST, 12 cents of PST, no eco-fee. We went to what I would categorize as a local food uh, grocery retailer. I was charged 79 cents for a bottle of water, the two-cent recycling fee, no GST and no PST. Okay. We went to the large convenience store retailer. I was charged $1.99. That was a large bottle of water. A two-cent echo or eco fee on the plastic. The subtotal of $2.01 was then subject to PST and GST. So the total uh, was $2.27. So a total of $0.28 cents of fees and taxes. Okay. And then we went to a pharmacy. I was charged no PST, no GST, and no eco fee. So just straight, the water cost $0.79, cents, and that was that. Correct. Are you going to submit uh, expenses for all these, by well, the way? You're darn right, I will. <laughs> they can get the Slurpees covered too. I'll do my best. The slushy drinks, the, the sugar slushy drinks that we could They were our fuel after all. Got us through that little exercise. So four different retailers, four different practices in terms of how we were billed slash charged for bottled water under 600 milliliters. Now, you... Did speak with them again, right? I certainly did. What was the, did any of them have, explain motivations for not charging taxes? So one, I, all I got was an acknowledgement that that was exactly what they did. And uh, because it wasn't a manager and the manager wasn't available, I was promised that would be passed along. I also shared Laurent's story. Because, you know, if, if you're going to be forthright with us in terms of sharing information about how you are prepared and how you are dealing with the public, I'm prepared to share with you something that's going to become public knowledge anyway. And uh, told him, well, here's why I'm asking. And so I was told that, boy, we, we might want to look at that. And then with the uh, local grocery, I, was, uh, I got a very in-depth look. I really got the right person on the phone that really deals with this and said, had no idea. In fact, if you were to have me do a seminar, I would tell you that the way we do it is exactly right. We don't get charged PST or GST from our suppliers. Um, water, we charge it on everything, flavored water, soda water, sparkling water, everything, but actual, you know, mineral or spring or, you know, the, the bottled water that, that tastes like it comes out of a tap. He, he said that, uh, that he was completely shocked to learn that that would be the case and that he would be broaching it with the powers that be within his organization. And he assumed that they would be changing their practice pretty quick. Yeah, because now the thing with water is that it's if you go in and buy a bottle of water that's under 600 milliliters, that's con- considered a single serving and that is subject to tax. But it's different if you go in and buy like a, a flat. Liter. Yeah, if you or if you buy a big jug or if you walk out of superstore with one of those, you know, trays of 36 bottles of water, that is not subject to the tax. So it's just for the single serving 
which I suppose, I guess they're suggesting that that's some sort of a luxury item. I still think it's weird. I get that if you can walk into a store, chances are you have access to a tap somewhere, but it's still water. It's not like I'm going in and buying a Coke. I'm why buying is a the, bottle of water. Why is the exception made for milk and that, not made for water? That's that, interesting. That would be the correlation I would draw. Just curious, this is from 7806868 before we wrap it up. Just curious as to if this rule came out around the time the 600 milliliters were shrunk down to 591. Uh, Brett, I know, is scouring the uh, rules and regulations there. Uh, we will do our best to figure out if there's a correlation there. I believe that these rules have been in place since the mid-90s based on the conversations I had, but we'd have to look into that. And uh, Texter says water should not be taxed by the crooks. Government uh, sniffs out anything to tax us on, and unfortunately the store owner he had on got nailed. I'm sure all the mom-and-pop places will all get dinged now. Well, this comes as a warning. To all those mom-and-pa operations, they might want to double-check how they are taxing for water in containers that are in con- under 600 milliliters. And we will have more on this story on the evening news at 6 with Lorraine Nickel on Global Television. So once again to Laurent, thank you for calling us at 680 CJOB. If you ever have uh, something that you want to share with us, feel free to drop us an email. You can email newstip at CJOB. Dot com. Global News at 2 o'clock is up next. Were you a climber growing up, Brett? Yeah, I would say. Uh, not a particularly gifted one, but I, I enjoyed climbing trees and go to the monkey bars and climb onto that. It was always a, a little bit easier for me than the other kids because I was always a little bit taller, right? So right. I could reach things that the other kids could not. Uh, one thing that uh, gets climbed on in the absence of monkey bars and other apparati are soccer goal nets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, we've all, I think, hung from one uh, either by our arms or done chin-ups on them or maybe even sat at the top of a set of goal posts uh, that are, are anchored in the ground. A tragedy out of Napanee, Ontario has uh, us reaching out to our next guest. He's a former Winnipeg broadcaster. He now works in Napanee, and he joins us now. Uh, we, You may know him as Buzz Collins. His name is Dave, and uh, Buzz, thanks for taking time out of your day to share with us this uh, tragic story. And, and please, before we go any further, the uh, extreme and sincere condolences uh, on the loss of your son, Garrett. Thank you. I, I appreciate it, and I, I appreciate uh, having the time to, sh- to share this uh, this story. Uh, if it's not too painful, do you mind sharing uh, what happened to Garrett back on May 12th? Sure. Um, Garrett was uh, just hanging out with his best pal, his best friend since kindergarten. He was 15 years old, by the way, um, and uh, also with his girlfriend. And they were just chilling time at the park before Garrett was set to go on his first official date with his uh, with his girlfriend. Uh, this is a park that they played at many, many times over the years because his, his best friend lives right next to it. And uh, and and according to his friends, uh, this was not the first time he's you know uh, hung off the uh, the crossbar of the soccer nets, and, and all of them have done have done the same thing. But this time, uh, he was just doing some chin ups, and it tipped over, and the crossbar struck him on the side of the head, and, and uh, he was killed instantly. 
I, you know, as a father, I, I just, I can't imagine what you're going through right now and the strength that it takes to come on air and to share what you've shared in social media about this and to turn this into a, well, almost, yeah. almost a religious sort of uh, uh, task on your part to let people know that these soccer goals may not be safe. Never in a million years did I think that I would have a cause of any sort, let alone soccer goal nets. Um, I don't even know the proper term for them. Uh, I've never played soccer. Garrett's never played soccer. He's never played organized sports. He, he took karate. That was the extent of his, his uh, sports involvement. But um, the reason I'm speaking out on this is because if I don't, it, it, all it is is left as a, a completely senseless loss and and I want to do everything in my ability to be sure that it didn't happen for nothing. So what have you discovered? Uh, you've been doing some research on this and that you, mm-hmm. you've discovered that uh, there are have been a fair amount of, of incidents like this. Yeah. Um, south of the border, there, as, as far as we know, the, the ones we know of, there's been 40 fatalities of young people since 1979 uh, on this side of the border, four that we know of, including Garrett now. And I've been saying, you know, I know those numbers aren't very large compared to the populations, but as a parent of one of those statistics, one is too many, especially when you consider that there is a known risk and that in most cases, not legally necessarily. As a matter of fact, there's only three states where it is mandatory by law, but many soccer clubs and uh, uh, parks have it mandatory if not by law, but at least by their own set of rules and regulations, that, that they're anchored down. my knowledge, all the other parks in Napanee had anchored nets. Uh, what remains to be uh, known to me so far is why these nets in particular weren't anchored down. Now, some of these nets can be located on natural grass fields, but also on artificial turf. And I know it's commonplace to wheel those nets on and off, depending on the use. Uh, they may be these fields may be used for other sports, from lacrosse to football uh, to tag. And so, quite often, you'll see these these nets equipped with wheels. Um, so th- we're talking about the, the four-point soccer nets, not the, the two-point ones that, that you know adorn probably hundreds right. of, of community centre and schoolyards all, all across, the thousands across Canada, hundreds in Winnipeg alone. We're talking yeah. about the four-point soccer goals, and, and some of these are, in fact, portable by design. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, uh, technically these were portable, although according to uh, the people that live in the area, these nets have been on that field. Uh, through winter, through su- all, all year round for several years now, uh, they were getting. Um, mine, oh, actually, it was, it was told to me that the the base, the rear base, was was uh, rusting apart. I don't know if that really came into play with the problem. The problem is that uh, the design, especially the older style, which this was, it was a larger style. The the uh, the main frame was three inch square iron, um, and and they're top heavy by design. So uh, if they're not properly anchored, you know, the risk is just inherent with the way they're designed. So as you have moved forward from this tragedy, uh, as you continue to try to move forward, have you made contact with anybody else who has been affected by a similar incident? They've made contact with me. Um, As a matter of fact, uh, two of the three other parents who have lost children in Canada 
to this. They reached out to me yesterday to extend their, their condolences and, and just to uh, uh, kind of champion what I'm doing right now. Um, I, you know, I just had a conversation earlier this afternoon. Uh, the last tragedy that happened like this in Canada was just three years ago in Bradford, Ontario, a 15-year-old girl. And and we were saying how, you know, if if only that that mother had the ability to get the kind of traction maybe that I'm getting right now. She's not on social media. She's not a media personality. Um, but But if there was some way back then that she could have got this kind of attention for this cause back then, maybe what would have had what you know what happened two weeks ago would have been completely different you know but uh it, it did happen again and that's the part that that hurts is because it's happened before you feel like there was no reason for this to happen to another family but i'll do everything in my power to uh to ever have it happen to another family buzz you mentioned that garrett did karate he didn't play team sports necessarily tell us a little bit more about your son Garrett was, and I know I know parents uh, will brag up their children, but but let me say I've got I've got uh, three other siblings. I love them dearly, but they will be the first ones to admit that Garrett was cut from a different cloth. Um, somebody said to me shortly after this happened, "Aren't you glad you didn't have an argument with him the night before?" And I said to him, "The fact of the matter is, honest to God, truth is, we have never had an argument with Garrett his entire life. We never had to discipline him. We never had to give him." Uh, even a timeout. He he just was all about pleasing the people he loved in his life, and even the people he didn't know. We, we were finding out after the fact these random acts of kindness that he did without seeking any attention. We never heard about them from him. Uh, he was just this amazing kid that was all about uh, bringing positivity to the world. As a matter of fact, his slogan on his his uh, Instagram page is "Get out there and uh, and make a change in this world for the better." And that's that's who Garrett was, and I guess uh, the loss of a child hurts immensely for any parent. But um, losing a kid that was, and we knew we had something special when we had it. We really did. Um, it was never taken for granted. But to have that snuffed out without a chance to say goodbye, without any warning, uh, with the plans you have, uh, you know, as, as close as next weekend, next month, next year graduation he I, I just to brag him up on one aspect we've always told him um you know he, he tried very hard in school he was a creative kid more creative than maybe academically inclined uh, he, he didn't do too bad he had you know in some areas his grades were average at worst were average in some areas but we always told him as long as you're doing your best nobody can blame you for anything else and so that's what he did. And, and people noted, uh, one of his best friend noted at the, at the funeral service in his eulogy, you know, while everyone was out at recess or lunch, Garrett was in the class either asking for further instruction from the teacher or, or, or doing work just to grasp the concept of whatever, whatever it was he was trying to, to, to learn. He, for grade 8 graduation last year, he got this award called Effort in Education. We found out later his teachers told us that award was specifically created for Garrett, and we just found out last week that they're renaming that award now. Uh, it'll be called the, the Garrett Mills Effort and Education Award, and, and we're going to be presenting that at uh, his uh, his former school's public uh, school uh, eighth eighth grade graduation. David uh, Buzz, thank you for this, and it sounds as though 
you are doing exactly what Garrett would want you to do in in light of what's happened to him, and 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 that is to help others and to to share this word. And if uh, your message is is helped uh, one parent, one child become aware of a potential danger, then uh, every second we spent with you this afternoon is more than worthwhile. That's the best we can hope, and I appreciate for the time. Thank you. Thanks, Buzz. Buzz Collins, David Buzz Collins, joining us from Ontario. It is 2.16 on 680CJOB. We'll have a look at your forecast up next. Thanks for spending part of your day with uh, Brett and myself. I'm Greg. I hope you're having a great day. That's a tough story to listen to that we just uh, shared with or had Buzz Collins share with us in the last few minutes, Brett. Buzz Collins, you may remember that name. Greg says, do you remember Buzz Collins? And I said... Yeah, he's, uh, he was on the radio here in Winnipeg in the late 1990s, and I was a big fan of his. And He tells he now lives in Ontario, and he just shared a story with us that earlier this month, his son Garrett, his 15-year-old son, is playing on a soccer net. He's just kind of hanging on the soccer net. I'm sure we've all hung from a soccer crossbar at some point in our life, and he was doing chin-ups on it, and it wasn't anchored down, so it, it actually toppled over. And fell on him, essentially, and hit him in the head, and he died instantly. So Buzz is uh, taking up the cause to just bring awareness that, listen, I know that there have only been a couple of dozen, really, three dozen fatalities in the U.S. since, I think he said, 1979, and only a handful in Canada, I believe four, but it's still more four more than should have ever happened in this country absolutely fair to say reached out to our friends at the city of winnipeg and uh thank you to uh, lisa over at the communications office Uh, she says hi greg city soccer nets are installed with anchors to hold them in place if nets are moved city staff would re-anchor them and in the event community centers or sporting organizations move these nets they are asked to re-anchor the nets also, should an inspection reveal that an anchor is missing, new anchors are supplied to organizations to replace them. The city recommends the use of aluminum soccer nets as they are lighter to move, and if they did fall, there is less potential for harm. You, because of your boys, you spend more time on, on athletic fields than I have in mm-hmm. the last uh, many, 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 many years. These anchors that they would use, would they be easy for just some regular person to come along and yank them out of the ground? You know what, Brett? Uh, I was not at the baseball field last night. Had I been there, it was my intention to check out uh, the anchoring systems because at our community club, they do have nets like this. And so I can't answer that for you. I don't know. I would imagine they'd be easy enough to take out, I guess, more no more difficult uh, than pulling a, a base off a baseball diamond or something, because if these are meant to be portable, obviously they want them to be usable in that fashion. So uh, probably not too difficult to do, but strong enough to keep the net in place. Yeah, or maybe you need some sort of a tool to uh, to look it up. I'm just kind of Googling soccer goal, soccer net anchors, and I see there's a whole host of, there's some really long screws. Uh, there's one here that's called... Uh, a penetrator, and it looks like just it, it essentially looks like a really thin screw slash corkscrew. I don't, I can't tell how long it is. So that's well, not something you could just walk up and pull out of the ground. Yank. You know, you'd ha- you'd have to imagine that if there's technology like this and engineering and time and effort going into creating products like the ones you're looking at, it's a concern for people. 
yeah. to ensure that these things are anchored in place. So uh, once again, thank you to uh, Buzz Collins and our condolences on the loss of his son, Garrett, 15 years old in Napanee, Ontario, uh, soccer goal. Uh, falling on top of him when, uh, as far as Buzz knows, he was doing a chin-up. And, well, oh, boy, <laughs> I was a goalie for a lot of years, and I was on some pretty good teams <laughs> over those years. And uh, even in the middle of the game, sometimes I would find myself hanging on those bars to just to stay awake. Yeah, I mean, and I remember, I mean, I've been, I think we've all probably been hurt as well. I said, I think it everybody's played on a monkey bar or hung from a crossbar and I've fallen off plenty of these things and had dangerous things happen. Uh, but nothing quite like that. This is in it, it. The fact that he was killed instantly. I, I don't know. That was one of the, the harder interviews actually, I think uh, that we've had to, to listen to. And he told it with such composure and he was so brave telling it. Well, when you have a calling and you feel that, your new passion and your new station in life is to share this message. Uh, no better person than someone like Buzz Collins to do it. He's a seasoned veteran in the broadcasting world. He's still a broadcaster down in Southern Ontario. In fact, I understand he was back on the air um, last week. So a uh, special individual. We, we apologize if we seem a little bit lost for words right now because I think both of us genuinely are at a loss for words, but we wanted to bring this story to you, not for any sensational reasons, uh, just to let you know that this is a potential danger and to keep your eyes open for it on the playgrounds, on the soccer fields where your kids play and uh, just keep an eye open because that's all we can do is look out for each other. That's what we try to do every once in a while in this program is to stand up for you, stand up for your kids, stand up for Winnipeg and for Manitoba. Up next, after Global News at 2.30, we're going to speak with a Winnipegger slash Los Angeles, what do you call a person? Los Angelino, I believe. Los Angelino, yes. She's a Winnipegger slash Los Angelino. She was born in L.A., grew up in Winnipeg. She's made a movie it's called The Wedding Invitation, and it's actually going to be released coming up very shortly on June 6th. So we'll talk to her about this film, and we will also ask her about a topic we discussed yesterday, sologamy. So we'll get her opinion. Her name is Rainy Kerwin, and we'll get here all about her film, which looks quite amusing. It's called The Wedding Invitation. You can see the trailer on YouTube. We'll have her on after Global News at 2.30 on 680 CJOB. We are going to the wedding of the decade. We have until Friday to get our crushes and bring them to the wedding. How hard can it be to hit on some guy? What a no word. <laughs> Just hanging with my pussy. My posse. My posse. I said my posse. I forgot to edit that clip. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff Forte is going to do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Ford, if you're just tuning in. Did Jeff press the magic button? Yeah, Jeff had to press the magic button. So thank you, Jeff. <laughs> so at some point, we're, the delay is going to come out. We're going to come out of delay here. Yep. And hopefully it's going to make sense. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. That is a clip, an amusing clip nonetheless, from a film called The Wedding Invitation. Mm -hmm. And we have the filmmaker on the line. 
<laughs> Rainy Kerwin. Uh, that word. <laughs> you know what? That, that word did not go to air, but we heard it here in the studio, and you probably heard oh, okay, it on the phone. Great. So, hey, uh, okay, great to have then. you. Great to have you uh, here in your pseudo hometown. Uh, it's uh, Raining Films is a uh, is a production company based in Los Angeles that specializes in feature films. IRF founded by our guest Rainy Kerwin in two thousand eight, and is the production company behind the award winning feature film The Wedding Invitation. I think we sort of heard part of it there. So, Rainy, congratulations on this. And uh, the film looks absolutely hilarious. How hard can it be to? find a date i mean for a woman men have this perception that you know you know woman wants to get a date or just about anything else how hard can it be yeah i this is this is the theme behind this whole film because there's these three best friends that get a last minute invitation to this wedding which happens to be of course an 80s prom theme wedding because if you're making a movie who doesn't want to put an 80s prom themed wedding in it um, and you know, how do they go about getting these dates? And the, the idea behind it is that they're like, why are we going to wait for the guys to hit on us? We've been doing that our whole lives and we're single. Let's go hit on the guys. And, you know, I'm talking to you guys about this now, but I've been talking to a lot of people on the festival circuit as, you know, is that an awkward thing to do? Is that a normal thing? Do you guys like that? Do they not like that? And I get really interesting responses depending on who I ask, the, the guys, the girls. So, so typically, I, the guys are like, yeah, we would love it. But the girls just don't think that that's true. They kind of think, you know, if you go to hit on a guy, the guy's going to be standoffish or why are you hitting on me or what's wrong with this situation? Hi, Rainy, I got to so, tell you, I, <laughs> I'm all for you, it. You life, disagree? No, 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 no. I, I think it's I, life would be so much easier and let me actually let me illustrate this. It just happened at a social over the weekend. Uh, you, you got hit on. No, it, you know what? It wasn't me, and I'm not going to say who it was. But this good-looking dame walks over, walks right up to my buddy, standing beside me. She says, "Do you have a girlfriend?" He says, "No." They go out on the dance floor and they're making out two minutes later. And I thought, well, that was easy. Why can't it always be like wow. that? Wow. You know, I could have made that film. It would have just been a very short film. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it then from your experience? Like, is it, is it in fact easier for, from the women's perspective, uh, for women to hit on guys? You know, I don't know. And I, I think there's a little bit of a discrepancy between the U.S. and Canada, too. I think, I think women are a little bit more empowered in Canada, and that's kind of more of the norm. But here there is, it seems like that's, what society tells you to do. The guy hits on the girl. And so it feels like it happens a little bit less here. Um, but I think it's, I think it's great. Listen, I'm all about love and there are too many single people in the world. And if we could match so many more people up that are just, you know, eyeing somebody from a distance or having a best friend for years that never, they never say anything like, let's change that. Let's, let's go out and find our, our best friend soulmate and tell them. <laughs> That's the mission. So I want to ask you a little bit about this path to making film and someone that grew up in Winnipeg playing ringette and uh, softball here in Winnipeg could move back to Los Angeles and, and become a success. What what gave you this bug to want to tell stories like this? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I moved out here... I moved out here a really long time ago as an actress, and I just found it was... Um, demoralizing, A, the, the kind of roles that were out there. 
and B, just getting auditions. So I, I, I really, you know, what happened is I had an audition for that 70s show. This was years ago. And um, it was one line and I didn't get a call back. And it was just a straight person. It was very generic. And I thought, you know, something is wrong if I'm planning on making a career out of this. You know, I wanted to play the, I wanted to be Will Ferrell in the, the Judd Apatow movies. I wanted to be that guy, you know? So I was like, okay, well, who's been, who's done this successfully? And, you know, obviously Nia Vardalos from Winnipeg, um, my big fat Greek wedding. And then I looked at all these other, these celebrities that might not have made it had they not created their own vehicle, um, like Swingers and Kissing Jessica Stein and Rocky and um, Goodwill Hunting. And I thought, you know, I'm going to have to write my own piece, but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to, I want to write a lot of funny female characters. So I put these three female characters in the lead. And then, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing and it took me years to kind of craft this, this script that made sense and finally got a little bit of traction. And then um, it grew and we had this big director attached and this producer. And then it just kind of um, fell apart because it was before bridesmaids and um, women really meant nothing in the foreign market was what we were getting at the time. And the foreign market was 60% to sales. So I just, you know, finally took the project back and decided to make it. And, you know, the, the landscape has really changed and, you know, audiences are really embracing female-driven projects these, as of very recently. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of the trajectory of, of where this, this film has been and, and where it is now. So the power of the female artist in Hollywood and entertainment, is, is that is that shifting? Is that what you're getting oh. at? You know, I think about Amy Schumer yeah. and how she has completely kind of taken her brand to a whole other level. Can I just say that I would not spaz out for a lot of celebrities, but I would totally spaz out to meet her. I think she's awesome. I think what she's doing is incredible. I think she's saying um, we can be these funny, silly, raunchy, inappropriate characters. You know, they're, they're great roles that women can play. Um, so I'm a huge fan of what she does. And just, you know, I think it's been hard for her because she's probably taken a lot of slack for, for pushing the line that much. But um, I definitely think it's, it's a great, it's a great direction. And I, you know, I think it's going to go that way even more. I don't know. Um, you know, in L.A., there's this, the big conversation and it, it started about two years ago and it just keeps growing. And I don't know how big a conversation it is in, in Winnipeg, but the number of female directors and that the numbers are so drastically low and they're, they're about 7 percent, depending on you know what you look at. But the top 250 grossing films of last year, 7 percent of those were female directors. And it has not changed in about 15, 20 years. It's been that number. So it's like, how do we change that? But I think as we do shift that, I think you'll just get more female characters, more female stories, more female sensibilities. And, you know, the female story is not always like some sweet romantic comedy. I mean, it can be like in Schumer. It can be a lot of different directions. It can be like Wonder Woman. So I think there's definitely going to be a huge um, shift in that in the, in the upcoming years, because I think a lot of people are recognizing, I mean, women buy more tickets than men at the box office by 51%. But in terms of home video, women make the decision, I think it's like 60 or 70%. So, you know, going in that direction with that audience, I think, yeah, we'll have a lot more female driven stories. Well, I, I remember, uh, I went to see a movie. I can't remember which one it was. 
this was a few years ago now, and and I look at this one lineup, and there's approximately 200 women. It's a lineup, just it's all women, and I'm, I kind of scratch my head, and I go, what are they here to see? And then I look up, and I see Magic Mike, and I thought, well, that makes sense. But I thought, I th- yeah. it's not a movie that I've seen. Uh, I really should get to watching it, because I heard it's funny. But I think that it's, it's great so that like we've seen this trend in recent years where they are making films like blockbuster sized films that are specifically aimed at women as opposed to the blockbusters are typically aimed at guys. Right. You know, I think it's so interesting. It's like, you know, I mean, I've studied this for the last few years and on this path to make this film, but there was this sort of theme that, you know, women would go to male driven films with their boyfriend or their husband, but that men wouldn't go to a quote unquote chick flick. And I think, you know, I use bridesmaid kind of as like the bar, but I think they really said it because that was one of the first movies that, I mean, it didn't matter, you know, boy or girl, you, that was a great film. It's it's hard to say that it wasn't. And I think just great stories are great stories, no matter, you know, who's, who's at the helm of them. I can remember getting uh, dragged to about a boy. And uh, Hugh Hugh, Hugh Grant, right? And the amazing Spider-Man is opening in the theater next. (laughs) And I'm going, why can't I just go over there? I want to go and see the Spider-Man movie. But I, you know, I left seeing about a boy going, yeah, okay, I'm glad I saw that. But it's fascinating when you spew the uh, statistics, and I mean that in mm-hmm. a, in a, in a non-offensive fashion, the idea that chick flicks are not really made by chicks. They're made by guys for chicks. I know. I know. And I think, you know, the rom-com used to be so great like when Harry met Sally, like these, these great romantic comedies. And then we just went through this stretch of kind of generic. The budget came down because they didn't feel that they could be recouped. And there were just these kind of formulaic rom-coms. And I think, you know, there was an article about this recently that is the rom-com coming back. And, you know, I hope it is, um, but I hope it's coming back in a little bit of a different formula, like some of those great stories that we had before. So, Well, is it possible? <laughs> is it possible that romantic comedies aren't as popular in the theater because of the home viewing options that we have like uh, I always judge whether I'm going to go see a, a movie in a theater whether it's quote unquote in my mind theater worthy do I need to see it on right. a big screen is that part yeah, of the challenge have the, you know that's, that's such a huge debate I just went to see Snatched with Amy Schumer and interestingly have, have you guys been dragged to that one yet I have not <laughs> seen it I, I heard it well I wanted to see it but it's getting the reviews weren't all that great so what did you think of it you know well, I'm never going to say anything bad about Amy Schumer, so I don't know that I'm a fair audience, but um, I actually thought it was really funny and silly and, you know, in a per- like it's my brand of comedy. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I will say at the very beginning of that film, um, Goldie Hawn and Amy do this. Did I just call her Amy, you guys? Did that just happen? Like, yes, on a you did. Basis? Okay, great. So Goldie and Amy were talking to me from the screen and um, they were saying, we're so happy you're at the theater and we need to get more people back to the theater. And it was this real push for that. And I thought that was really interesting because the theater has always been my religion. Like it's my church. I could go, I like to go Friday morning at like 1130 and feel like I'm seeing the first screening of the print. It's not even a print anymore. It's a DCP, but I feel like I'm seeing the very first viewing of it. Um, and that's the way these movies are meant to be seen, I think, and not just because they're 
you know, quote unquote, cinematic or not, like, yes, that's great. But just because the idea of sitting in a theater with perfect strangers and laughing and going on this journey together and then going out for a drink and talking about the movie after and like, what a great way to spend a night, you know? So I'm a big advocate for, I got to hashtag something here. Awesome. Like get, get back to the theater. (laughs) Hashtag that. Rainy Kerwin is our guest. We need to check our forecast. We have some more questions for Rainy. Miss Kerwin has a film coming out on June 6th. It's called The Wedding Invitation. She is the director. She is the writer. She is the star. Born in Los Angeles. Grew up in Winnipeg. So we want to learn a little bit more about this film. And before you forget, Greg, as well, I know you had made a note of it. We need to ask her about sologamy. So we'll put that question to her after we have a look at your forecast, which is coming up next. Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you until 4 o'clock. Our guest is Rainy Kerwin. She is... A Winnipegger. She was born in L.A., grew up in Winnipeg. She's back in L.A. She is the writer, director, and star of a film called The Wedding Invitation, which is going to be released on June 6th. It looks really funny. And before I forget to ask you, Rainey, how wide is the release going to be? So um, it's U.S. and Canada, and our foreign sales agent, we just launched it at the Cannes Market, so it will be international, um, but we're doing domestic first. So in Canada, um, in the U.S., you can get it on uh, many more VOD sources, but in Canada, you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Amazon, Xbox, and YouTube um, to rent or download for purchase. So this is going to be a digital release, and the uh, cinema, uh, the cinematography is fantastic. It's amazing what you can do with uh, with cinematography these days. The quality of the cameras is absolutely stunning and amazing, is it not? Yeah, it really is. And I, um, we used an all-female crew on this set, um, which is, to my knowledge, never been done before. So I have to give a huge shout-out to my camera team because, you know, you know this was a, we had a smaller budget, so we had to work with what we had. But she brought just everything. I mean, in terms, we shot on the Panasonic GH4 and we shot 4K. And her lenses and her lighting, I mean, she's just top of the line. So thank you, Alicia Robbins, because I'm – very lucky to have had her and her crew on this film. So it's raining films. This is a, a I guess, tell us a little bit about this pr- film production oh. company. When did you launch It's Raining Films? I will answer that, but I have to talk to your Celsius comment earlier. Just so you know, I really only think in Celsius. I'm co- I've been here, I've been in LA for a long time now, and I'm constantly converting. So Celsius makes complete sense. Zero is freezing. I get it. I don't even really, I think it's 32 here in Fahrenheit. So, um, yes, I'm a Celsius girl. Uh, yes, back to the training films. Um, well, I launched the production company. This is, so the wedding invitation is the first of a three picture slate that I'm doing with them, the company to start. And actually that being said, um, another film I have that was supposed to go before the wedding invitation. And this one just got funded and went first um, it's called Baden, and it's a dark psychological thriller, and it, it's set in Sioux Falls. And the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm actually in talks right now um, to shoot it in Winnipeg. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, it's kind of got a Fargo um, backdrop, the movie Fargo feel to it. So we're thinking kind of a late March, you know, early spring where there's a little bit of snow and that kind of feel. So, yeah, so, you know, the because, I mean, I was born in L.A., but I moved to Winnipeg when I was three. So, you know, according to me, I'm, I'm a Winnipeg. I'm a prairie girl. 
um, the goal, the dream has always been able to, to be able to come back and, and work and shoot in Canada and Winnipeg. So this would be, um, this would be the ultimate with my production company to bring this film back there. Well, please let us know if that happens. And uh, we'd love to sit down face to face. We have to ask you about sologamy. We were talking about it yesterday. Uh, this idea of, of a woman uh, marrying oneself uh, because um, she's decided that, that, you know what, she can't really find uh, anybody better than herself. It's really a celebration of how you feel about yourself. Uh, your first reaction to hearing about this. Well, okay. In all fairness, you did tell me this on the break, so I had I had a second to think about what my real reaction would be. But I really like a love and let love, you know, live and let live, like all of it. So if that's what you want to do, I say awesome. But for me, I, you know, I I like when people can find a partner, find their soulmate, their best friend, and, and partner up, whatever form that takes. So um, I wonder what does sologamy mean? Does that mean they can't? date anyone else? I mean, what if, who gets the money if they get divorced? (laughs) Yeah, there are all sorts of interesting questions that were being directed our way from listeners on the subject of sologamy. I, I, at first, my reaction was, that sounds stupid. But then I, once I started to think about it, I thought, you know what, if somebody wants to go to the, the trouble of throwing an expensive party just for themselves, I'll go. Sounds fun. Oh my God. Open bar is my, those are my favorite two words. (laughs) You True are Manitoban. Manitoban. <laughs> I, but you guys, like, because I'm so removed from it here, you think people don't understand me sometimes. I, like, try to talk about a social. People don't know what a social is, and you guys mentioned that earlier in something. Yeah, like, I kind of I kind of miss that, like, homegrown Winnipeg social and hanging out. You know, come back yeah, and uh, make a film. Girl. Come back, make a film here. We'll 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 remind you what it's all about to to be thanks. a pegger and to be a Manitoban. <laughs> Rainy, thanks for this. The film looks really good. When can I start downloading it? Um, legally, you can start downloading it as of June six. <laughs> I like how you oh, put actually, that. I should, I should say this. I should say this. You can um, you can pre-order it right now on um, iTunes.com or .ca and. Um, you know, we're we're a small film, and this is kind of a grassroots promotional tour we're doing. So um, the more uh, pre-downloads we have, the pre-purchases um, are kind of better for us on day one because we'll then be featured on iTunes. So, yeah, buy it today. Watch it on the 6th. Solid plug. Thank you so much for the time, Rainy Kerwin, joining us from Los Angeles. She is a Winnipegger through and through. She moved here when she was three. She's a writer, director, and star of a film called The Wedding Invitation, which, again, was made entirely by women. She said her whole crew was female. That's pretty cool. And, again, it will be available for purchase as of June 6th. But if you buy it ahead of time, that'll help the cause and get her featured on iTunes. Coming up to 3 o'clock on 680 CJOB. Uh, Greg Mackling, Brett McGarry with you through until 4 o'clock. Matt Cardi and Julie Buckingham will slide into the studio. Just before 4, they will let us know what they've got planned for the hours of 4 till 5, 5 till 6, 6 till 7 here on 680 CJOB. Then it's Charles Adler, 9 till midnight. Uh, right here on 680 AM, or perhaps you're listening online. We appreciate you doing so. Uh, don't forget to uh, tune in to Global News at 6 o'clock tonight. We'll learn more uh, about uh, the story that we told you here first on Mackling and McGarry about tax, provincial tax on water. Uh, you may be paying it, you may not be, based on our four-store visit yesterday. Not one 
continuity, no continuity between the four places that we bought water yesterday. One charged no tax at all, no PST, no GST, no eco fee. One place charged only the two cent eco fee, no PST, no GST. Another pl- place charged us GST and PST, but no eco fee. And then the national change charged us water, eco fee, and then GST and PST on the total of the eco fee and the water. So uh, there's zero continuity. Uh, based on our small sampling of retailers and how they handle water in a bottle under 600 milliliters. I still can't believe that it's taxed. You know, you look at the list of things that are taxable or tax exempt, and as far as beverages are concerned, any beverage really that is a single serving that is under 600 milliliters. So if you walk into a store and you buy yourself a can of pop or whatever, a bottle of flavored water, chocolate milk, you, it is applicable, but the one exemption as far as beverages are concerned is milk. So milk and milk-based products are exempt, but that does not include chocolate milk or other flavored milk. So if I walk in and I want to buy a, a strawberry milk, I'm not doing that to nourish myself. I'm just doing it because... Tastes good? I like the way it tastes. I prefer chocolate, by the way. I would never drink strawberry milk. That just sounds gross. How about the banana milk I used to have? Well. Not a fan? No, not at all. Do you remember Beep? Yes. Oh, what uh, was that? uh, Ah, what was it? I think it was apricot juice, orange juice, apple juice, and maybe peach. It had at least three juices in it, and it came in a (laughs) one-liter carton, and the carton would explode or expand very, very easily. They didn't use the best cartons. Did you find it online? Oh, yeah. It looks like it might still be a... A thing? Is Beep still a thing? Farmers... Hang on. Oh, no. It looks like it's been discontinued again as of 2015. So, yeah, Beep, it it comes in a a yellow carton. The logo is red with... That little chickadee on it? Yes, that's right. Little bird (laughs) sitting on top of the Beep logo saying Beep Beep. It's described as a refreshing fruit beverage. I'm just mm. pulling it up here. If you go to Wikipedia, it actually says beep slash soft drink. So it was a fruit juice-based drink brand made by Farmers Cooperative Dairy from Nova Scotia and distributed throughout Canada, originally produced in the 1960s. It was discontinued in March 2010, temporarily revived in 2012 as a seasonal summertime drink and was discontinued again. In 2015, and according to the carton, the drink contained water, sugar, fruit juices, orange, apple, apricot, good call, Greg, prune, and pineapple. Never would have got those two. And then a whole bunch of other things like uh, anato and ascorbic acid and sodium citrate. Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Canola oil, sodium benzoate, (laughs) caramel color. Yeah, it was really good for you. No, I don't think so. They were trying to make it good for you. I do remember enjoying Beep, though. Man, that's a blast from the past. I was just thinking about my milkman days when I used to deliver milk to houses around uh, Tuxedo, Charleswood, Headingley, St. James from time to time. And that would be my calling card for any young ladies I might be courting at the time. (laughs) I would leave a carton of Beep in between their doors. Really? Yes. Did it work? Well, of course they would. That would be a mixed bag of 
oh, you left me a carton of beep in the middle of the night. (laughs) 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 Yes, I was at your house. I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd drop by. And uh, I'm not going to knock on the door, but I'll leave you a carton of beep. Okay. Yeah. So you got some phone numbers? Maybe? I already had the phone numbers and the addresses, so... It was just uh, one of those things from when I was young and foolish and <laughs> doing certain things that uh, no milkman ought to be doing. Well, so you were... Uh, Blast from the past. Um, what was another Tales one? from the Crypt. Was it Tang? Yeah, Tang. What was Tang? Tang was supposedly the drink that they sent up in the spaceships or up <laughs> to the moon with Neil Armstrong and crew. It was a powdered orange juice. Oh, yeah. It was like Kool-Aid, but it was... It was orange juice. That was a big treat in my house. I think we, I think my mom bought Tang maybe three times in my, in my childhood. And uh, obviously you could make it as sweet as you wanted it because you would scoop it and stir it into the bucket of water, pitcher of water. And I see that it, that's not something that has died and gone away. You can still Oh, Tang is still around? Yeah. Hmm. I, I, I've just Googled Tang. Uh, what did I, Tang drink. And one of the first thing that pops up is... Uh, major retailer that sells it. So maybe I was thinking of Tab. How about milk that used to come in a bag? Remember bagged milk? Yeah. I always, I never found that appealing. I was just, that seemed strange. Seem weird? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why, because it tasted the same, but it just seemed, I don't know. I, I don't know if gross is the word. I don't know if it's a texture thing by the, by having to handle, because it just seems awkward. You got to put the bag in this. Basically a bladder. Of, yeah. of milk, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then the pitcher. Yeah. And then you'd cut it. But if you go to a restaurant and they have the old-fashioned, remember the old-fashioned kind of milk machine at the restaurant, right? If they served a, a lot of milk, they would have the big milk cooler with the big silver handle and you would pour the glass of milk. That could be the best milk you ever had in your life. And it was in a bag. I don't even know that I remember that. Oh, well, I used to work in the restaurant, so we used to have those great big milk machines for when we used to serve a lot of milk. And you'd see them at a, a lot of the different restaurants, like a giant fridge with a big metal, it looked like a hammer as, a, as the serving handle or spout operation. And you would kind of just lift it and it had a plastic spout that came out. That's how you would, that's how you'd fill your, your milk glass. Yeah, the, the quality of the milk was never word. I never bad. I just, I never, I always thought it was unsettling for some reason. I don't know. Seven eight zero six eight six eight. bag milk or not. Did you ever have it? Did you think it was weird? I know a lot of people who think it was weird. I thought it was weird too. Shoot us a text at that number, 204-780-6868. In the meantime, we need to have a look at traffic. We need to have a look at weather and we have stuff to give away. We'll start to get to all of that coming up in two minutes. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling, and we want to look at your texts in response to beep. But before we do that, we do need to give away some stuff. Nice. Tickets for Cirque du Soleil, Curios, Cabinet of Curiosities. It's on from this Friday, June 2nd to July 9th, under the big top at Keniston and Sterling Lion. And this one actually isn't going to test your knowledge so much of Cirque, but of... This show, this radio program. Interesting. Curios is a steampunk-themed kind of show. There's an author we like to talk to from time to time who has a series of books that he describes partly as steampunk. We just chatted with him a couple of weeks ago. What is his name? (laughs) That's the question. 
What's that author's name? 204-780-6868. The phone lines are ringing already. There's no way. There's no way people listen to us that closely and care that much. 204-780-6868. If you can answer the question, you're going to see Cirque du Soleil. Curios, Cabinet of Curiosities starts this Friday. I am so excited for opening night. Mm-hmm. We got a whole bunch of text messages on Beep. Craig <laughs> says, do you remember Beep? I don't even know why I asked you that. When we were talking about flavored milk and then it... Oh, that's why. Very, it, 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 that's because right. you were a milkman and then mm-hmm. you used to deliver Beep. Right, yeah. I remember now. Okay, so the text are, messages. I'm going to start at the top with B-Rad, okay? Okay. Brad says, uh, if you cut the milk bag wrong, my dad had a... Fit, capital F-I-T, three exclamation marks. Funny like crazy. I can just imagine. <laughs> My dad used to get mad at the craziest stuff, too. And it's just like, really? Is, is, is this really a, a thing? Sandy says, in grade school, I was milk monitor, and I remember beep. And then another text, this is from anonymous person, says, beep and vodka was big here way back when. Beep and vodka. If only I would have known. Hi, guys. Oh, yeah, I remember bag milk. And we thought it was a treat with a family of nine. I also remember mom using powdered milk. Yuck. Times were were tight at times. Yeah, no, I know the powdered milk. This is just a random text that I probably shouldn't read, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't even know what it's in response to, but it says, I had to coach against Richard Cloutier years ago. He's a fussy, complaining guy. LOL. <laughs> Richard's on holidays this week, so if you have any dirt that you'd like to share with us on Richard Cloutier, this is the week to do it. Uh, so if you're missing the bags of milk, you can still get them in southern Ontario. I really did not care, and my kids at the time were too young to care. Oh, and the only place you can get four-liter plastic containers in southern Ontario is at Max. Thanks for that. And we are coming up to 322, which means we need to pause while Jeff Forte answers phone calls looking for a winner for the Cirque du Soleil Curios Cabinet of Curiosities. It looks like he's actually found one. So we'll find out who won after we have a look at traffic, weather, sports, and global news at 3.30. Variety of topics on the show today. Where can people listen to our program one more time? If they're so inclined, Brett McGarry, or they missed something that they'd like to hear? Well, you can, one way you can go is to is the cjob.com audio vault. You can find us there, or you can subscribe to the show in podcast form. It is available on iTunes and Google Play. I put up the show every day. I usually try to have it up by about 4.45, although today it will be a little bit delayed because we are going to scurry over to the Madison Square Liquor Mart Education Center for the Flatlanders Beer Festival kickoff right after we're done here. So In our first half hour, we discussed the fact that uh, Tiger Woods, in fact, did take a breathalyzer when he was, uh, well, confronted, awoken by police in Jupiter, Florida. Mm-hmm. He blew uh, two zero zero zeros. In fact, uh, yeah, two perfectly clean alcohol uh, breathalyzer test, but he failed the roadside sobriety test. So uh, thus his charge for DUI. Uh, Buzz Collins joined us from Southern Ontario to share the tragic story of his son's passing. A soccer goal fell on Buzz Collins' son, Garrett. Buzz, by the way, a former Winnipeg broadcaster, sharing his story. And uh, that has brought to light the fact that this is something that uh, we need to be concerned about. These uh, four-point soccer goals that are made to be portable, uh, but sometimes treated as permanent. Uh, we've got to make sure that they are 
uh, absolutely anchored to the ground. Rainy Kerwin, her film is The Wedding Invitation. She joined us uh, just after 2.30. We talked about all sorts of things, including uh, sologamy. We got her initial response. And then the story of the day that uh, Global News has picked up, this story from uh, the retailer in Pine Falls who joined us, Laurent Raymond, telling us about the fact that he has been audited by the RST folks, the retail sales tax people of the province of Manitoba. They informed him he needed to be charging PST on water bottles of 600 milliliters or less. Uh, he had not been doing so, back taxed for six years worth of sales, about $23,000. And we wanted to get some feedback from you as to whether or not you're surprised to learn that bottled water is taxable. So we appreciate your feedback at 204-780-6868. And again, we'll have more on that story on the evening news at 6 o'clock on Global Television with Lorraine Nickel and everyone there. And we got another letter. I went out to my desk after, I think, the 2.15 segment. (laughs) And I saw a little envelope on my keyboard. It's one of those little sort of half-size envelopes. And I knew right away, like, oh, not a dude has sent us another letter, this one addressed to me. Mm-hmm. She alternates between sending them to me and you, Greg, and sometimes Tristan. I think Hal or Anderson got one. Hal got one and didn't pass it along. Yeah, maybe he never made it his way into his hands. I don't know. So, not a dude. Let me just read the letter here. It's typed out, by the way. Dear Brett, how are things with you? I hope that all is well. Did you know that I have a dog? The best dog, actually. Like most pet-owner relationships, we share a couple similarities. Both of us have now felt the harshness of being mistaken for a dude. Her case is odd, as she is a stunningly beautiful pup. We are also both socially awkward when it comes to communicating with our respective species. This lack of skill does not stop her from making the effort whenever we go for our regular constitutionals down Wellington Crescent. She valiantly tries to leave her mark in the normal dog fashion. This act is more difficult for female pups, though. At most, she can mark two spots. She will then spend her time at the next 10 to 20 chosen sites, squatting, straining, and desperately squeezing for just one more drip. This would be mildly amusing. This would be a mildly amusing non-issue if only it didn't result in me being on the receiving end of disapproving glances and harsh judgments. Scorn, in fact. After witnessing all that effort, drivers and other walkers expect there to be some output for me to be bagging. I've had vehicles circle the median to come berate me over my perceived non-scooping. In these instances, I have resorted to bagging handfuls of leaves and twigs to avert confrontations from the poop patrol. So I'm thinking, maybe this could be a little PSA. Any listeners who drive by and see the prettiest dog in the world squatting, could you hold off on the judgment, please? Kindest regards, signed not a dude. P.S., I have a hunch that this rain dampened your long weekend plans as much as it did mine. Better luck next time, but for now, here's a round that should not get rained out. And a gift card for U Pots Amusement Center. So, thank you very much, Not A Dude. And uh, I'll have to keep an eye out for the, uh, what was the, the Prettiest quote? dog in the world? Prettiest dog in the world on Wellington Crescent, because I do like to, to walk... Up and down Wellington Crescent from time to time as I, when I do decide to walk to work. Today I was lazy and did not. I can't imagine the scorn of other people when your dog has not done their business 
on a public piece of property. I know what it's like when uh, my Abby does her business and we always make sure we have the little bags and we dutifully pick up after her. But can you imagine having to pretend to pick up after your dog just so you don't get in trouble with people? I didn't realize that people were so vigilant on this front based on the amount of dog poop that gets left behind. It's hard to imagine getting in trouble for your dog not pooping and picking up non-existent dog poop. Yeah, just Pick up after your dogs, folks. Female dogs squat when they go. I don't know. That's I. I feel like actually really bad for not a dude that she has to deal with that kind of garbage. So yeah. Thank you for the letter though, and thank you for the U Putts gift card. That is just tremendous. It is three forty four on six eighty CJOB. We're gonna hear from Matt Cardi and Julie Buckingham to tell us what's coming up on the news after we look at traffic and then weather. Forgot to mention, congratulations to Trista Sterling, who is today's winner of the Cirque du Soleil Curios Cabinet of Curiosities ticket. This is a show that's on from this Friday, June 2nd to July 9th under the big top at Keniston and Sterling Lion. It's a steampunk-themed kind of show. And today's question wasn't so much, well, it wasn't at all about Cirque du Soleil. It was about our show. The question was, there is an author we like to talk to. He has a series of books that he describes partly as steampunk. What is that author's name? And Trista was able to correctly identify Adam Drees. He's our buddy from Calgary. We've talked to him a few times now. He's the author of many books, including the Yellow Hoods series, which he says is steampunk meets fairy tale. Julie Buckingham is here. Hi, Julie. Hi, guys. Do you remember Beep, Julie? I do remember Beep, and I also remember that my mother would never let us have it. Really? I'm moving on now. No Tang? No Tang oh, either? Oh, Tang. We used to get Tang. How do you get Tang and not I, Beep? I don't know. Tang was probably cheaper. There were four of us, you know. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, by the way, we got a note at 7806868. There's a, a, actually a blog about Beep. It's called littlegraybird.ca. Okay, let's, while we're on the topic of, of things, were you lamenting the fact that you can no longer get it? Is that the deal? No. Where did it come from? Uh, just one of my random thoughts. Okay. <laughs> well, here's a, I am on a random Facebook page that is called, and it's a Manitoba thing. The halfway tree? No. Which I know what it is, but this is about a food and I love this and I crave it all the time and can't get it. And don't give me an, Im- you know, an imitation. I want the real thing. The The name of the site is bring, or the, the page, bring back the Cuban lunch. Bring back the Cuban lunch. Did you ever have Cuban lunches as kids? No, no, it is that. It's a chocolate bar, and it used to come in a often in a in a clear cellophane package. It was about it was rectangular. It was about this big. I'm showing them. Uh, I don't know, like two inches by two inches, rec- like kind of rectangular. And it was in a red paper cup that you could peel it. You know, like what you would have around a cupcake. And it was just chocolate. And peanuts. And as I recall, they might have been like Spanish peanuts. Was this a Thunder Bay thing? No, it was a Winnipeg thing. It was done by, I think it was made by McCormick's, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct. You are correct, madam. So bring back the Cuban lunch. So there you go. That's funny. I Googled Cuban lunch and there's a a page here called WinnipegOhMyHeart.com. And it's, uh, this is a post that goes back to uh, December 2015 Cuban lunch, a Winnipeg classic. 
Yes, it oh, is. Winnipeg, oh my heart. There wow. it is. My, my, every once in a while, my mom used to put a Cuban lunch in our lunches, and that was like, that was a good day. It was a good day when you got a Cuban lunch. Yeah, that's fantastic. No recollection so, of this. No, and there's a neither. whole Facebook page about it. Apparently some woman, I think, out in BC or in Alberta is trying to <laughs> duplicate it. And, like, people are clamoring to buy it. So, McCormick's <laughs> hello. Bring back the Cuban lunch. Yeah, there's another page here, the deliberatemom.com. Do you remember the best chocolate, chocolate bar? bar? Cuban lunch. lunch. Melt together the peanut butter, butterscotch, and chocolate chips in the top of the double boiler. No, I don't think there was ever peanut butter and butterscotch in that thing. I think it was chocolate and and, and peanuts. All right. Well, wow. I you could actually be wrong. came to the table with some worthwhile information today, <laughs> Julie. Thank really? you. Really? You're welcome. I set the <laughs> where table. Have you, where have you guys been? <laughs> Text message. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. Love the Cuban lunch. Persians are a Thunder Bay thing. That's right. Persians are a Thunder Bay thing, which I do have in my freezer right Cuban now. Cuban lunch, but yum. I'm, I am not bringing my Thunder Bay Persians to share with the likes of you, Mackling. That is for. Dang no. sure. That's all right. That's fine. I'll make my own. You can't I'll find make my own. You can't make your own Persian. Uh, you don't even know own. what it is. I'll look it up. <laughs> it has its own Wikipedia page. What did you look up today um, for us? Well, a couple of really important things. One, of course, it is sunscreen weather. There is a warning out from Health Canada. If you have seen these pictures and I have. of these little Canadian babies, um, not just in Canada, but it's happened in the States as well. But Health Canada on this now as a result of some some Canadian babies suffering severe burns. And I'm not talking about like these are severe, like eyes swollen shut blisters on their face as a result of their parents applying this one type of of sunscreen. So Mike Drolet of Global National is on the story and we he will join us at 6.15. I have some information in the newscast about it as well, about the, the Banana Boat product. Also, um, another just horrific story of animal abuse, this one coming out of Flin Flon, post going viral. Uh, it happened to be the manager of the shelter in the area that came across this dead chihuahua that clearly had been tortured. There have been there are photographs of it. They've blurred some of it out. We have pictures on our website. She is dealing with the RCMP at four o'clock, so couldn't join me live. So I did speak with her uh, just a few moments ago. We'll bring you that story. There's a reward for information, but just another horrific story of of uh, animal abuse. We do talk with uh, Constable Fontaine about what constitutes impaired driving. So we'll have that conversation for you. And uh, tales from the White House. Jackson Prosco, the Washington bureau chief for Global National, is is on everything that's happening at the White House, and it continues to How be. How does he keep up? Uh, it, exactly. Exactly. It, we called it job security for him. Not so much if you work inside the White House. Julie Buckingham, thank you so much. He's going to have much more with Matt Cardi from Bring 4 back until the Cuban 7. Lunch. The Cuban lunch. <laughs> One Look last plea. Good for you, Julie. That's just, that's amazing. I can't believe I've never heard of it. We got a text that says, where have you guys been? <laughs> Not paying attention, I guess. Well, I guess chocolate bars weren't that big a part of our life, uh, Brett McGarry. Uh, by the way, just got a text from uh, listener Tim. He says there's a serious crash. He sends a picture. Highway 1 and 34, that is near Austin, Manitoba, westbound lanes. I don't know if he's implying both those lanes are closed westbound. If you know anything more about that, 781-1320 on the traffic phone or text us at 780-6868, only if it's safe, of course. We got to go. We're out of time. Thanks to Fortean Master Control. I'm Brett. He's Greg. Thank you to listening to Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB.